Our text today is Exodus chapter 15, beginning at verse 22. Hear the word of the Lord. Then Moses ordered Israel to set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. That's why it was called Marah. And the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? He cried out to the Lord. And the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he put them to the test. He says, If you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God, and do what is right in his sight, and give heed to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will not bring upon you any of the diseases that I brought upon the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. Then they came to Elim, where there were twelve springs of water and seventy palm trees, and they camped there by the water. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Holy God, we've gathered here seeking a word from you. No mortal word will do. So be gracious to our seeking and send your spirit. In the name of Christ, amen. Our text today comes just after Exodus chapter 14, the wonderful story of the miraculous deliverance of the people when God parted the waters of the Red Sea, and freed them from slavery, from the tyranny of Pharaoh, and set them on a course to the promised land. That was 14. Now we come to chapter 15. The first 21 verses of chapter 15 are just doxology and praise and thankfulness to God's deliverance, this God who heard the people's lament and came and found a Moses and brought Moses out of the desert to lead the people out of Egypt. Then we get to verse 22, this text. It's now three days later, three days after all of that revival going on, three days after the miraculous parting of the Red Sea. They've headed south to the people's surprise, further south than, than they were uh, when they made their way to the Red Sea. Even runaway slaves can tell when they're headed the wrong direction. They're moving away from the promised land. The second thing that happens after the third day is that they are out of water. And the only water available is bitter. Three days after the parting of the Red Sea, nobody says, whoa, I can't wait to see what the Lord does now. I mean, after that Red Sea thing, this is easy. No, it says, and the people complained against Moses. They complain against Moses. They don't complain against the Lord. They're not stupid. <laughs> they complain against Moses, the leader. And then Moses cries out to the Lord. This is pretty much the paradigm. The people complain against the leader, and the leader cries.
let's put ourselves in their sandals. Haven't you embarked on a journey, maybe a journey to a new commitment, or in a relationship, or to school? And it wasn't long before you realized this is going to be harder than you thought. This is why I always preferred to do premarital counseling six months after the wedding. <laughs> because by then, the couple is south of where they thought they should be in this relationship. <laughs> and they're really interested in listening to any ideas that people have. <laughs> Maybe we should do orientation four weeks into the semester after you've discovered that theological education is a little harder than you thought it was going to be. There hasn't been that group of lovely people knocking on your door saying that they would like to be your covenant group for the next three years. They're going to give you their hearts. And when the road gets hard, we complain. But there's another choice. There's the choice of crying out to the Lord. There's a difference in the biblical notion of lament and in a complaint. Lament is when you take it up with God. You cry out to God. You, you wrestle with God. You hold God accountable to God's promises. You can even argue with God in a lament. But that's a holy conversation. Complaint has nothing holy about it. To complain is to assume that you're not getting what you deserve. And you don't want to start out a conversation with God about what you deserve, because that's not going to go well. <laughs> the last thing we want from God is what we deserve. We want what we need, and what we need is the mercy of God. A God who's not just merciful, but who chooses to clothe us with honor and dignity, and who cares for us every step along the hard road. Complaining does nothing helpful about an injustice, by the way. It's just complaining. It doesn't fix what is wrong. Complaining is a narcotic that is very addictive. And it just eats away at your own soul. It reduces you to your discontent. And it is like spiritual anthrax to a community. It is very, very contagious. And it only raises anxieties. Again, it doesn't fix what is wrong. That is why Moses cries out to God, who alone is faithful and just and able to provide our needs along the way. And so, the Lord miraculously provides the water and then says, I am the Lord who heals you. Isn't that wonderful? And what is it for which we most need healing? For some of us, it's our complaining hearts. That addiction to complaint. Well, then, God brings the people to Elim where there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees. This is an oasis in the desert. This is, this is great. After the people had been tested and failed the test miserably, 
God, God gives them a break. They come to Elim, to an oasis. When I was a kid growing up in Sunday school, the state-of-the-art teaching technique was a thing called flannel board, where they would stretch a piece of flannel over a board, um, and the teacher would put up paper characters, and, um, and she would always have to do this. She would always kind of smooth them out, and they would stay up there. And I remember the lesson on the trip to LM and how beautiful it was. And she had people playing in water and there were even more palm trees than the text actually says. And, <laughs> and her point is, just because it comes from God, it doesn't have to be hard, which was a wonderful insight. That there are times of an oasis, a break along the way in the journey. And when you find yourself in that, receive it, take it because you're not going to get to stay there. <laughs> Be refreshed by it. But the oasis is not the promised land, and there's a long way to go. But take the refreshment that God wants you to have along the way. But you'll know you're getting closer to the promised land when you can find contentment without the oasis. I remember vividly another lesson that Mrs. Williams used to teach with that flannel board, and it, it was a lesson with the Apostle Paul, who frankly was a little overused in the stories, which is a metaphor. And any time Mrs. Williams tried to get the Apostle Paul to stay up on the flannel board, he took a lot of smoothing out. <laughs> Two of us got into a fight as to who was going to hand the Apostle to Mrs. Williams, and we tore his little head right off. So he had to be taped, taped back on, and that made it harder for him to, to stay up there. And some of the kids, I think it was the kids in vacation Bible school, spilled Kool-Aid all over him. So he was purple as well as being taped together. And it was as if Mrs. Williams was proclaiming a holy mystery to us in the third grade. God is not easy on the people God uses. Just because you are called just because you are on a journey with God, don't expect God to make the road easy. When you look at the people that God uses the most in the biblical drama, by the end of their lives, they're all discolored and taped together. But, but what is it that they want to talk about? Joy. Among the apostles' final words were, his legacy to us was the surpassing joy that he had in his life. He may have been in jail when he was writing this. The surpassing joy he had in his life of being able to serve Christ. Why were they all so thrilled, so joyful at the end of a hard life? Because they got used in the drama. And their greatest anxieties is that their flaws or their sins would prevent them from still being of use to God. That's the source of our joy. The source of our contentment. That's when you know You've made it to the promised land. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.